the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubale Agbayani. Wake up in the den, Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. Was yesterday our New Year's show or is today our New Year's show? Because we just like, I don't know, we weren't paying attention. Uh, and then other, other stuff is going on and then the cameras aren't on because, yes, it is going to be a YouTube show today. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it already, our end of the year show with UH Athletics Director Craig Angelis is available to watch on our YouTube channel. So just go out and check it out and including our after hours segment with Craig as well. So the full show, it's about like, I don't know, maybe an hour, 20 minutes long, just hanging out with Craig Angelis for, yeah, just having some fun with us, getting to know him, finding out what kind of music he likes might surprise you, what kind of career he would be in if it wasn't for being in NCAA athletics. So go ahead and check it out on our YouTube channel. And yeah, make sure you guys can chime in anytime you want on this show. 808-888-KGU1. That's 808-888-5481. And follow us on social media at High Sports Radio at HI Sports Radio. All right, we're going to get into a lot of football talk this morning. Get into some UH stuff. We'll do a little bit of men's volleyball discussion as well and hear from head coach Charlie Wade because the men's volleyball season gets underway today. I can't believe it's all like everything's starting. So you got men's volleyball today, women's basketball tomorrow, men's volleyball on Friday, women's basketball on Saturday. So you got a full slate at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center, which we hope to see you guys there this starting this evening. So we'll get to some men's volleyball, but probably the biggest breaking news in terms of our local sports teams and University of Hawaii football, that there are a few UH football coaches that have not been retained through the 2024 season, and that includes co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach Ian Shoemaker, a co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Etienne, and cornerbacks coach Steve Irwin, who this was only his one year. He came in to replace Abraham Elamimian, and they we wish them all the best on their future ventures, but this is the part of the gig that is very, very unfortunate. It's part of the business, we know, and considering how Hawaii has done the last couple of years, how they did last year. Uh, it's time to, you know, make this change. And Timmy Chang is, I mean, it's not like we haven't been saying it throughout the entire season. Timmy is very, he's like coach, uh, chef has said, he's killer Timmy. Killer Timmy wants to win. And these are the types of d- difficult decisions that you need to make as a head coach because ultimately you're responsible. You're responsible for the wins and the losses. So he needs to do what he feels like he needs to do. But it's it's never easy. Uh, personally, I definitely have become close to Chu and Etty throughout the season. Wonderful human beings. Got, got a couple of chances to talk with Coach Steve Irwin, but didn't get as close because, again, he came in this season. But... Yeah, Coach Shu was one of the first actually coaches I've met 
like in that new regime under Timmy Chang. Actually, he might have been the first one I've met that was coming in because he came in so early. And then Etienne came in, both of them from Eastern Washington as well, coming from the F- FCS to the FBS level. And yeah, wished him all the best. But it, it, it's so it's gut wrenching. And we kind of knew that changes were going to happen. But the feeling doesn't hit you as hard until it becomes official. And yesterday, it was officially announced by UH head coach Timmy Chang that these changes are going to be made. I don't anticipate this to be the last of it. I don't know. I don't want to. This is all just speculation. But (laughs) there could be some restructuring uh, within the coaching staff is kind of how we're kind of seeing the cards go, but for the most part, uh, this is the kind of the first ball to drop so far within the university of Hawaii football coaching staff. Again, it sucks. This is the junk part of the job, especially when you get to know them personally, all great people, as we talked about with Craig, in fact, that just the, the coaching that they have at the university of Hawaii right now, everyone is incredible. Everyone is so nice and such good, genuine people, but this is part of the job. This is Division One football. This is all on Timmy Chang, and he wants to make sure that he does what he needs to do to build a winning program and essentially make sure he still has a job for the coming years because if Hawaii does not make that turnaround, and we're not saying anything like going undefeated next season, but if you don't compete every single game, at least in the Mountain West, and be close to potentially making it you know, being at the top, seeing that the bowl game at the very least is in sight next season, that is your target in your third year taking over a new football program because now his recruits are coming in, especially we talk about it. And I know how people still feel, but you have Braden Shager coming back. You have a starting quarterback coming back. You have a lot of talent, a lot of receivers, a lot of new guys. So with everything stored up, there's no... It's not worth taking any chances if you feel like there needs to be a change in the coaching staff. So this is the first of the new year that we're hearing about. And oh, it just sucks. It's the toughest part. You, you've you laid it out exceptionally well, Koo, where it is absolutely the toughest part of the job, the industry, and so on and so forth. And we understand it. We, we've said that multiple times. I put out a tweet myself where... It sucks because you get to know these people on a personal level, and that a lot of times is not necessarily what fans get to do, and that's part of the privilege of being able to work in these jobs and the privilege of information and whatnot, but I I feel very strongly that these guys will all land on their feet and whatnot. It wasn't like, uh, oh, you're fired, get out of here. Your contract wasn't renewed. It's not like these guys yeah. aren't talented coaches you know, and, and that's something that I do always want to talk about when it comes to this is that when there's coaching changes, it doesn't necessarily mean that these guys don't know football. They don't know what they're talking about. It just means that perhaps their communication style with these athletes didn't fit exactly what Hawaii needed right now. That doesn't mean another coaching staff won't be able to use that, won't be perfectly capable of seeing them come in and have success and I'm sure that they will have success but that said it goes back to what I was just saying and the communication right where you need people who are able to get the message in a in a way to these players where it translates onto the field where it's 
adding on more to the current group of players. You said it, a reshuffling of the deck of sorts where you you put coaches into a position to see them succeed. I mean, we talk about how often do we talk about, oh, you want to put players in position to succeed. You want to put players in position to succeed. Coaches need versatility too, but not every coach is ready for a bigger role. Not every coach is ready for a certain role. And also, I mean, think about what you just said, right? A co-offensive coordinator plus tight ends coach. A co-defensive coordinator plus defensive line. There, It's multiple hats where, well, perhaps maybe UH would be better off having one specific job for certain coaches and bringing in this national search, bringing in a veteran coach for a role where they can step in and their communication style works better. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be viewed as a negative indictment on any of these guys oh, oh no no ways and i hope people don't take it as a negative indictment no. and as we said we had a couple of coaches come up from the fcs level and when we talk about wearing multiple hats you don't necessarily also as a coaching staff you want to make sure you have i'm trying to see like the exact amount of people that are putting more effort to contribute more right like you want to be responsible for your own thing where we saw this past season Timmy Chang took over the OC role essentially because he was the one calling plays and uh, Coach Shoemaker was basically the eye in the sky because Timmy Chang had to be on the field so she was the eye in the sky letting Timmy know what he saw but that's not necessarily entirely what your normal offensive coordinator does you're Offensive coordinator is the eyes in the sky, but he's the one calling the plays. And it's not it's not necessarily out of nowhere for a head coach to call plays. We see it all the time. We see it in the NFL all the time. But ideally, you want your head coach to be, it seems really elementary, but to be paying attention to things like clock management and handling the timeouts. Because when it comes down to the wire, those things are very, very important and I think it we see it we see a game almost get blown because of poor clock management with Washington and we saw it earlier this year with Miami blowing it because they're just not I don't I still have no explanation for that but college football coaches have gotten exponentially worse (laughs) I shouldn't even keep it to just college football coaches in general just strangely enough don't seem to be as good at clock management recently. Maybe they need to play more Madden or something <laughs> along those lines. But yeah. it is strange because you mentioned the Washington incident. You mentioned earlier in the year with Miami. Even, I don't know, there are just in yeah. incredible amount of examples yeah. where you look across and it's like, yeah, maybe they, they would be benefit from not yeah. having to have split focuses. But the point is, is that, Timmy took over the play calling. He essentially took over the OC job without being in the sky. And he has coached tight ends and and whatnot. So I think Timmy just wants to maybe be able to, like you mentioned, not only a veteran coach, but maybe bring in someone that he can entirely give the duties to. And who knows? They saw the offensive the offense differently and that's just sometimes that happens, right? And again, Timmy Chang is going to worry about this is his 
team, ultimately, it's his neck on the line with anything that happens, anything good or the wins and losses. And he takes full responsibility for it as well. That's the type of guy that he is. So he wants to win. And so I think that's the positive. It, it like in, during this time that you can take out of it is for more people in case there are still naysayers. I feel like we do a, de- a pretty good job on this show to put the faith in Timmy Chang. This is another proof that, you know, two years in, and year three, everyone knows you got to start turning that corner when you're re- rebuilding a program, even if it's somewhere like Hawaii, where it's quite difficult considering the limited resources that you have. But this shows how serious that Timmy is. And he realizes, all right, got to make a change. Got to do this. Got to do that. So it's the unfortunate part of the business, but it's it's still change. It still shows that, like we've been saying, he's. They say the winds are going to come and this is part of, I won't say necessarily that any of these coaches, like we mentioned, they're great coaches. None of these coaches I feel contributed to losses at all, but whatever Timmy sees, this is just the way that it goes and it's the unfortunate part, the part that we hate the most of the business. But this is like any job in terms of where revenue matters, where like when you're entertainment, where all that stuff matters, it's just... What it got to do. It is a very difficult decision at the end of the day, but you're right because year three is make or break time a lot of times for head coaches, and you need to win. You need to make a bowl game. And how many times have we talked about self reflection on this show, looking inwards first? You know, you can't blame the officials for this, you can't blame yada, yada, yada for that. This is a form of self-reflection. This is Timmy Chang looking at his UH football program and saying, all right, what needs to change here soon so that we can start winning? And that is that, okay, we need to all be on the same page. Okay, we need to all be able to communicate this certain way. We all need to be able to do this. And, you know, maybe we're looking for certain pieces on the coaching staff the same way we're looking for certain peach, or pardon me, pieces On the playing field, Peaches, yeah, my goodness. (laughs) But it's just, it is the tough part of the job, but it is introspection. It is looking on in and saying, okay, what do we need to do? Where did we fall short? Where can we get better in 2024? And this is just another step of that is bringing in the coaches that are able to get the message in the right way. Because... Also, one th- and not to be dramatic, but we say year threes make or break. A, a catastrophic year three loses more than just three or four coaches their jobs. Mm-hmm. Timmy Chang gone equals everybody gone equals clean house. So this is also a decision of like, okay, we need to really kick it into hyperdrive. So business is tough. Sports, when they become business, are tough. This is part of the business. We wish all the best to those three coaches, especially best. because, like I said on my on my personal Twitter, it's it is the tough part of the job. You always wish for the best for these people, and they are they were incredibly incredibly good to me personally, which I am forever indebted and thankful for coming this far away from home uh, and starting up my career. So. Best wishes to them as they continue their careers in wherever they may go. Yeah, and we'll 
but we'll see what happens. I can't imagine a lot is going to come up from now until I mean, we got the National Letter of Intent Day coming up in a little over a month. And whew, we'll see what happens with the UH football program. But wanna when we come back, I uh, want to get into a tweet that our Mr. Paul Brecht put out during the new year uh, with 2024 here and some roster additions already signed. He said, I want to know what you want to see from the Bulls in fall 2024. Uh, there are a couple of responses and we'll talk about that next now that we kind of see uh, where, you know, program is headed, what the potential offense could look like. If you guys want to get in on the conversation, be sure to text us 808-888-5481. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kuule Agbayani and Paul Brecht talking all University of Hawaii football as the big news that came down yesterday that Timmy Chang announced is that uh, co-OC and tight ends coach Ian Shoemaker, co-DC and defensive line coach Etienne, and cornerbacks coach Steve Irwin uh, will not have their contracts renewed uh, moving forward. So as we mentioned, we wish them all the best. It's the worst part or one of the worst parts about Division One football and this type of business. But no doubt that they will end up in, in great spots because they're all great coaches. They're great humans. So, yeah, we, we just wish them all the best and no surprise I was talking to a coach whose wife Janelle and I was telling her because we've been like trying to plan like a almost like a double date night for a long time and she's like I hope the (laughs) offer still stands I was like of course like I told her I'm like we're gonna be friends forever like I was I'm just I like, hope I'm like, that's I'm so like, cute. Girl, like I wasn't just your friend because like your husband was the coach. Like you you're awesome person. <laughs> right. Their kids are amazing and it's so cute because like their son Kai, he always like he loves football. I mean he's a, both of their kids are like geniuses, I swear. They're so smart. They're amazing. But he always like he and I always like talk like football like she'll text me he's like she's like oh Kai says this and says that and then even yesterday it was like by the way I have to tell you later because Kai has some draft recommendations for you and I'm like all right got it like we'll talk football um he and I will talk football when I see him next we gotta get Kai on the show I know we might have to get Kai on the show but yeah like I (laughs) I just had to chuckle because I'm like we're, I I know you already like we're gonna be friends like forever wherever you guys end up I hope that we can hopefully it's more on the west coast but so it's easier to visit <laughs> because I was gonna say all the way like in like in the middle of Montana or something might be a little difficult but if it's on the west coast and for sure like that's gonna be an easy trip I can go visit maybe if it's somewhere back in Washington would be like pretty fun to go up there so um yeah Who like knows? I'll be friends with them for for a very long time but again it did that it's never easy but nonetheless we understand we get it and now we move forward and see what happens next but now that you look at some of the you know the stats in 2022 and and 2023 not too I thought they would have like the sack stats on here like the game the full thing over here but oh in well. terms of the last two seasons yeah they don't it, have like uh, a even because it felt like because it felt like up. this past season right like we didn't see as many takeaways and as many sacks that we were accustomed to 
you look at fumbles, we had 14 fumbles this past season. Uh, before that, not too much more. 20 fumbles. Um, I think penalties were like the big thing right for us this year. That was kind of difficult. But uh, statistically, Hawaii's not that much better, especially on the so the offensive side is going to be interesting to see too. And we talked about it before when it comes to the rushing yardage. So rushing yardage for Hawaii in 2022, the yards gained, but we'll go with the net yards, 1784 in 2022. And this season we had 989. This year was really rough on the rushing attack for the bows, but I think you can see, uh, I don't want to call it an overcorrection. That feels unfair, but I think you can see a correction coming in that in the way that Hawaii has been hitting the transfer portal, has been recruiting in both offensive line, getting really, really big boys up there, and then also getting a stockier style of running back. It's kind of similar to Najee Brian Lele, where it's a bigger, stronger body to complement Tylen Hines more, where you know, you see Sitani Mikaele and mm-hmm. you see um, Christian Vaughn come in and you see these bigger, stronger backs who can kind of break through a couple of tackles. And I wonder if that's not looking at a number like that and it's like, wow, we rushed for under a thousand yards as a team this season. That can't happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're starting to see a, a correction in, in that because like I've said a few times now, overcorrection feels unfair especially when you're talking about in the 120s of the 130 fbs teams in terms of rushing attack so definitely something you want to see improve there and you're right defensively i mean how many times during the preseason did we talk about wow this defense might be the strength of the group this defense might be the strength of the group they're all over the field all over the field getting into the backfield and then not a lot of production in terms of sacks on the defensive Mm -hmm. line what five picks six picks this year well and then you have someone like cam stone coming in uh, from wyoming and was you know what like our only player to make the all mountain west preseason squad or something like that and he felt like he i mean he did get banged up a bit but felt like even when he was every game, yeah even when he guy. was playing well because he was a returner also so uh even he just didn't feel like it didn't seem like we were getting the cam stone that we expected to get and again, a lot of it has to do with just him returning the ball and getting hit all the time. Yeah, hundred percent does a lot. <laughs> so we get it, and uh, like like always, nothing not on the. We're not saying this on the actual player himself. It's just when the expectation was one thing, and then you see a different thing throughout the season, and seeing us not be able to close out games and things like that. So we knew that this change again was going to happen. Still made the over in the win total, but. <laughs> Should have been more wins. That's the thing. We should have made a bowl game. I know should have, could have, would have. But when you see how some of these games went and we could have got some some really big wins, it was just unfortunate that it didn't sway that way for the University of Hawaii. That's the exciting thing to me, though, if I am a University of Hawaii football fan heading into 2024, is that I feel like we underachieved this year, if I am a fan, where you look at it. And you still got your over in wins, according to Vegas, and yada, yada, yada. But 
you left meat on the bones still where you look at games and you're like, dang, if we just got off the bus a little bit better, or man, if we came out of halftime better, if we didn't turn the ball over here, it's like you can pick out specific moments. And obviously you have some bigger losses that you you question, you go back and you're like, okay, well, what happened here? But you have moments throughout the season where you're like, dang, man, I, I, I can't. The, the game I specifically think back to, obviously, is week one, oh or zero, goodness. I guess, yeah. against Vanderbilt, where it felt like it was there for the taking. A win against an SEC team on the road, and just little things, little errors, the penalties you mentioned before, where it's like, dang, man, that game should have been a win. And that flips it, and all of a sudden you're like, well, six and seven you might have been able to sneak into a bowl game on that backside, right? Because I think two teams who are 5-7 and seven yeah, made bowl did. games this year. So you sneak into a bowl game on that backside. And it's, it is as simple as that. Stanford, where you're right there, uh, you, you clean up a little bit of run defense, and all of a sudden, whoa, we're talking bowl game, and then some. It, it's... And let's They're still close. be honest, though. Like we still got that big win against Air Force, that Absolutely. was like kind of the upset, I guess you can say, where it wasn't expecting the win at Nevada, as well. And then, but then you had that shutout game against San Jose State at home, and that that like that those kinds of things cannot happen. So it was kind of wonky. What it was, was kind it of we said Jekyll and Hyde yeah, for this team. It's it's weird because yesterday when we were talking about men's basketball, I made the comparison of men's basketball to football, and vice versa. Both of them are like feel the same. Where the expectation, considering the talent that we have and the belief that we have for what they can do, it's just not showing accordingly. But this is kind of the first step in making certain changes that need to be happened. And now we're up against the clock again. We didn't get to the Paul's tweet. So we're going to step aside. (laughs) More Hawaii football uh, conversation on the other side of the break on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, alongside DJ Polly B. I wish I could do that sound effect better, but I can't. It's so bad. Well, for tuning in this and every weekday morning at 8 on Wake Up in the Den on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM, AM 760, and hawaiisportsradio.com. Don't forget, you can always text us to get involved in the show at 808-888-KGU1. That's 808-888-5481 as we are talking University of Hawaii football this morning with the announcement of the change in the within the coaching uh, staff at the UH fo- in the University of Hawaii football program. Excuse me, I'm getting all flustered now. Just thinking of all the stuff coming up. Uh, coming up later to close out the show, we will definitely get into University of Hawaii men's volleyball as they yeah first serve of the season coming up today or later tonight at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. But getting back to football and as we were talking about the changes potentially more restructuring within the uh, coaching staff of the University of Hawaii to come but also you know it's looking 
to a new 2024 and the high expectations that come with it. And by high expectations, I mean we need to be able to at least compete in every game we're supposed to compete in and essentially make it to a bowl game. This is year three. This is the year that, you know, you're people say that you should be able to start seeing the major turnaround of a program because you have those couple of years to start getting your everything in order that you want to do, uh, getting your recruits in that you want. And Hawaii did a very, very good job in the early signing period. And we still have the actual signing uh, day to come up next month. So we'll see who else they could potentially bring in as well. Still more players in the transfer portal. Want to make one note of a player in the transfer portal as we talked about Uh, Some of the opponents that Hawaii played against in the previous segment, one of those opponents being Stanford and Stanford safety and Laie native, but Punahou grad Alaka'i Gilman has entered the transfer portal and the younger brother of Charger safety Alohi Gilman. He had 50 tackles this season, 109 in his career and seven tackles against UH when they played earlier in the season. So fingers crossed. Come home. (laughs) Alaka'i. You want to come finish up your career at home in front of all of your friends and family. You know you want to. This message is for you. We have the YouTube camera going on. so Just for you. Alakai. We're come, come back home for the season. We Come have fun in Hawaii. <laughs> I was going to say, is it what, what the flying Hawaiians in the, in the defensive backfield one more time? You got Peter Manuma oh in there, too. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe? That would be fun. Like, just, just from athletically. You, or do you move, maybe you move Cam Stone up? I'm I mean, Cam think, Stone. then you have, like, Cam Stone. He still plays Peter corner. Manuma. I'm fine with Peter and Alakai yeah. next to each other. Yeah. Because Indeed. you want to oh, talk about awesome. hard-hitting and two guys who... Who can just fly <laughs> around the field? Like, I mean, Peter looks like he is shot out of a I love rocket. That. Polynesian secondary. Let's go. And, and like this, uh, you know, Mickey Pay was like it was, that was a lot of fun yeah. too. Where it's just I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. All right, don't want to get my hopes. I was going to say, but I just want to talk- make a note for all of our fans out there that still follow, obviously, all of our local Sue players. Us out there but we're just getting yeah we don't want to get our hopes up too much but we we can get our hopes up about as well want to give a you know congratulations to Micah Alejado a future University of Hawaii quarterback named back-to-back Nevada Gatorade player of the year so again had a stellar career in high school and will now come and play for the University of Hawaii and as we mentioned with Braden Shager coming back it'll be a very entertaining and competitive quarterback room and and still, it's not done. We could still potentially see another quarterback come into the mix. So I think Hawaii fans have a lot to be excited about. We won't get into the British. <laughs> I know there's still some fans that are still upset about it, but you know what? Conversation we for another day. Cut. Yeah, we've already had like extensive conversations about it as well. Nonetheless, Micah Alejado named back-to-back Nevada Gatorade Player of the Year. All right. So now we move into looking at 2024. As Paul had uh, mentioned in his tweet, what do you guys want to see uh, coming up in the season. So we had a couple of comments. Aaron said, I'm looking forward to more RPO slash read option similar to the 2019 version of the offense. And I think that's what a lot of 
fans do miss. And we talked about it before with, you know, that was under coach Nick Rolovich and how it just felt like we were picking up steam. Then he got the job at Washington State. Obviously, no hard feelings for leaving. But that was when we were starting to see the glimpse of the what the Hawaii offense could be again and what we live off of and what Hawaii fans want to constantly see every single game and I think this past season we saw glimmers of what it could be as well a lot can be said with definitely the receiving core that we had with Stephen McBride and Pafele Ashlock who were amazing this season but I agree with you Aaron we want to see more of that another one from Tom what is this Tom Ahi I love that (laughs) with a year in the running shoot under their belt I'm looking forward to seeing the offense playing faster with everyone on the same page in diagnosing defenses and more confident in what they're doing. They can then open up the playbook and get more creative. I agree. And it's something that hopefully with Braden coming back and has another season to really understand and learn potentially the difficult style of offense that Timmy Chang in his mind wants to run. And who knows, maybe Micah will catch on to the playbook faster and might be able to read things differently than Braden Shager. And that's why I think it'll be nice to have a competitive room because part of the reason why they did start to get better offensively and find those connections was because, and Timmy Chang said it, they started to simplify the playbook, simplify the offense just so that Braden Shager would, it would be easier for not only Braden, but the rest of the offense. So I think now with a lot of these players coming back, that could potentially lead to seeing more on the offense because now they can start to take a step up and making it a little more complicated because now they got the easy part that they've learned and now hopefully Timmy Chang can move on to introducing a more complex style of offense going into next season. Yeah, continuity I feel is underrated a lot of times, yeah. especially in college athletics, though I with the transfer portal continuing to be in the news cycle season after season I, I don't know how much continuity is going to be underrated anymore you hear coaches talk about it all the time coach Iran Ganat talked about it with the men's basketball team coach Laura Beeman talks about it with her team football I would argue is more important than basketball to have continuity mm-hmm. with your team especially offensively with the schemes you talk about the run and shoot and how complex it can be you simplify it just a little bit so that everybody can start to get on the same page and we saw how that can make the offense look and as you get those reps together more and more you work together further and I think that's part of the reason people felt so angry and upset when Braden ended up putting his name in the transfer portal in the first place was because it was like well, oh, we had we had already come to believe that it was going to be the same offense going into next year in terms of continuity. Okay, we're going to see like the same names. Braden Shager is going to be throwing bombs to Pafele Ashlock and to Stephen McBride again. It's going to take that next step, right? The development. That's mm-hmm. that's what people love about college sports is development from year to year of college athletes. And now you get that opportunity once again where you can take this offense to another level, which in itself was already really fun in this past 2023 season. How many times do I have to remind people Braden Shager finishing top 10 in the nation in passing yards led the Mountain West in passing touchdowns? And that is, once again, 
doing it with a vanilla style of the run and shoot through part of the season and only getting better and better and better. So it's a good thing. Like you said, Micah Alejado will come in. He'll get an opportunity to learn the offense. And if he catches on quickly, he he's shown, you just mentioned it, back-to-back Nevada Player of the Year, he's shown that he has the ability to really sling it if he can let the, or, uh, pardon me, let the offense click quickly, that's when it gets a lot of fun for Hawaii football. So it's going to be a fun year. It's good to have Braden back. And the run and shoot, I agree. Also, excuse me. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> I just came on all of a sudden. Shout out Tom Boahi, who is a consistent supporter of my tweets <laughs> all the time they they are responding giving input retweeting so i appreciate that we appreciate that and appreciate aaron as well for uh putting in a little bit of input this is it was just supposed to be a fun little question yeah uh because i know hawaii football uh i'm not the only one that foot uh, that thinks about football all the time and no, no. Hawaii football fans probably think about it more than I do so and, and when you look at their comments you know with Aaron saying want to look forward to more RPO I mean the R in RPO stands for run so that's yeah. something we didn't see this past season and as we kind of talked about earlier in the show where now it seems like you sh- shore up that offensive line you get a couple of big backs because I think another thing that Hawaii fans want to see is the work of the big back you know I've dropped the names before you have Nate Ilawa, you have like West Keeley Keepy, guys that were just humongous that would just plow their way through everybody else. And then you have like your shifty guys, like your slots, where you had kind of like a Chad Owens type of uh, runner, where that's where we think of Tylen Hines, where he's more of the shifty. And once he kind of gets a hole open up for him by the offensive line, he is gone. And that's something that we had didn't see this past season. Not only like because he was injured, obviously, for the entire season, hence why he gets that redshirt year. But you just he when he did play, there was just never a hole big enough for him to get through slash open long enough for him to get through. So now hopefully we will see that this year, and then you. Put in the addition of the bigger backs, barring any injuries, healthy backs because Najee Bryant-Lele got injured as well. And then that's when Solo Vaipulu had to step in, which he did great for trying to transition from a lineman lineman. to a running back. But let's be honest, that's that's not ideal for this type of situation. But kudos to the coaching staff and to Solo for trying to make it work. But you could see what they were trying to do. They wanted to push the big back. So now you bring in someone like that's true that is a little quicker and shifty and that is their sole position. Now you can begin to run something like an RPO and the run and shoot more effectively because now there's options because that's the point, right? You want to have off options in your offense. And when you look at things like that this past season and how skewed things were where we talked about the net yardage if we look at okay we'll just go with total yards gained I guess or net yardage is better 989 as I mentioned earlier with the rushing passing you have 3593 (laughs) where the you do not want your offense to be that skewed you essentially want it to be somewhat close to you know 50 not 50 50 is not realistic 60 40 but not this off balance that we've saw last season so now 
you'd be able to bring in a true running option and then we can start seeing a more complete offense slash as Tombo Ahi said playing faster when you have a run you just get through get a first down and then you set up again and that will start to because you keep throwing you keep missing and the ball goes all over the place and that starts to feel a little slow and sluggish but now if you have the option to run ball stays on the field you reset and then you go so get into a rhythm yeah that's and crazy. that's something that we I know <laughs> who would have like all sports who would have ever thought of it <laughs> No, you also mentioned, so Najee Bryant-Lillet, who unfortunately got injured multiple times this season. They tried to put Solo Vipulu in there. I mentioned it before. You notice, take a look at recruiting sometime, fans. I'm speaking to you, fans. <laughs> take a look at recruiting. There's usually a game plan, and there's a method to the madness. Oh, yeah. Look at the type of running backs that they brought in. They brought in two guys who fit that bigger back mold in Sitani Mikaele and Christian Vaughn, who are going to join an already pretty talented room in Tylen Hines. Landon Sims is not mm -hmm. necessarily a tiny back in himself. He's a bruiser. So I think there was some planning behind that as well. So I, I would also like to see the rushing attack pick up a little bit this year just because, like we said, the offense, especially the run and shoot, if you can get into that rhythm where it's just go, 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 whoo, man, it gets exciting. We're going to see a lot of points be put up in, uh, in Ching. All right. We got to step aside. We got to take a break and come back and talk a little bit of men's volleyball like we've been saying. But once we get going on football, <laughs> it's kind of hard to stop. Uh, so we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. All right. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Ogbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Ku'ule Ogbayani and Paul Brecht. All right, we talked a lot about University of Hawaii football throughout the entire show, but the men's volleyball does have first serve of the season tonight at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center as they are taking on Loyola Chicago, 7 o'clock p.m. I hope to see you guys there, and you can watch it on Spectrum Sports. If you cannot be there, they play Loyola Chicago today and Friday. But before we get into more details about the matchup, I want to have you guys hear from head coach Charlie Wade. A disclaimer, uh, don't mind the background noise. Maybe it'll get you more excited about volleyball because this was kind of during when the, the guys were practicing in the background. So it's it's a fun time. So here's head coach Charlie Wade. All right, coach. So uh, now your first rodeo. You've been through these a whole lot of times and, and seeing the excitement that you're seeing out of your team for opening night. How excited is that? Yeah, really cool. You know, you see that certain days throughout the year, and uh, this is one of them. And tomorrow will be as well. So uh, guys are pretty fired up. A little different energy in here today, and it's uh, fun to be a part of. We're just talking to Tread, and it's incredible how young he is, yet how poised he is for this opportunity that is in front of him. I imagine that you knew this. Yeah, it really is 
impressive. He is an impressive young man, both on and off the court. Great student, uh, you know, mature beyond his years in that respect. But I would also caution: be patient. He's 17. You know, there'll probably be some rough spots, but uh, you know, so far so good. He's um, he's really competed at a high level, and excited for him to get out and show everybody what he can do. You feel like it's a perfect storm for a situation like this when you look around and there is Spiros and Chaz and Guillermo. I mean, all these guys with all this experience that they can help each other move his wing. Yeah, and that's really, uh, you know, how we ended up coming early is that uh, he came and watched us play in Irvine in October uh, of what was then like his junior year and after the game he came up to me and said I want to play with those guys um, and he kind of put the whole academic thing into hyperdrive and and here he is so he's a pretty goal-oriented guy and goes after things and gets them accomplished. You've been blessed with some really high-level setters the last few years right so um, how does his skill set maybe Contrast with some of those guys, or are there some similarities? Yeah, you know, he's there's there's both of that. I've kind of uh, jokingly said he's uh, you know six ten Joe Worsley. Um, he's got some of that in him. Um, you know, but he's still 17, and you know, one of the things too, like all three setters, we really have had to make a focus to play the ball higher. They're tall. <laughs> They're all three of them are really tall, so we're playing the ball a little higher. And you know, I, I got to remind him too that the, the offense that Jakob Telly ran as a senior and that Joe Worsley ran as a senior was not the one they were as a freshman. So to be patient and really focus on you know making sure that they're hittable balls, we kind of keep it simple. And uh, the idea is to, to side out and get the ball back and and serve and play defense. Coach, we just talked to Chaz. Um, everyone remembers the first time they saw him. Here's this kid that can jump out of the building. Um, but how has he kind of grown over the years um, into the player he is? Yeah, he really has matured and become a better leader for us and evolved his game. You know, he's become one of the best receivers in the country. He still has that just gifted, fast jump, fast arm. Um, you know, he's stronger than he has been. He had a summer um, with the national team in the gym, so that's really kind of served him well. He's had an amazing career here. You know, even though some... You know, he's, as a teenager, he's had some kind of, you know, peaks and valleys in his performance, but he's always played well when it counted. He's played well in big matches for us and uh, really excited to see his senior year. Coach, can you just talk about, obviously, the challenge that we're facing uh, Jakob and, and Demi, and, and really that, that is a, obviously a challenge for you guys uh, as the season. Yeah, and similar to the challenge replacing Joe Worsley and Rado Parapunov and Steinvind, just kind of go down the list. I mean, that's just kind of where we've been living here for several years. And um, I don't in any way expect that we're going to, you know, just have no drama and no uh, adversity along the way. In fact, quite the opposite. I just think that's natural with you know a number of new guys uh, on the team and on the floor. You know, between Kurt and Aleu and the setter's going to be new and the opposite's going to be new. So um, it won't be seamless. I mean, there'll, there'll be some rough moments, but I think we really have the pieces to not only be a really good team, but to be the best team again at the end of the year. And that was UH Men's Volleyball head coach Charlie Wade. And as you mentioned, and, and I'm sure a lot of volleyball fans know that this team looks very, very different than what we've been accustomed to. As you mentioned, true freshman, 17-year-old kid coming in to be the setter and replace the Big West and AVCA Player of the Year in Jakob Tella. So very, very big shoes to fill right away for Tread Rosenthal. But if there's anyone that could even come close to doing it, it's going to be this kid. And I got to say, though, now that you've got a chance to see him, because I talked about it before, but like, Tread is 
humongous. Like he's not just tall, but he is like broad. His father was like a <laughs> football player at Notre Dame. Like he is in, you guys might be able to see it. So we also have uh, some Q and A's from Tread Rosenthal and Chaz Galloway. And then the video version of the, that segment you heard with Charlie Wade that you can get on our YouTube channel. But you can kind of tell when you watch the video that he's a big kid. You can definitely tell that he's broad. But I mean, you saw him in person. Like Tread is like he looks like he could have been a football player like his dad, but he chose to play volleyball and he's the setter. Definitely entirely different body structure than we saw in Jakob Tella. Jakob was a little more of that true like agile type of character not saying that tread isn't agile but he had that that good that true volleyball setter body Jakob did and that's what that's part of why we see him do so well but I'm curious to see how tread fits into this role but he's a big kid (laughs) and he's 17 he is huge like I I if I walked by and I didn't know who he was we and we didn't like I didn't hear him talk or anything I would be like, that is a grown man. That is 25 yeah. years someone who is my age. He, I think Charlie said he's 6'10". I don't know if he's 6'10". He's Technically listed at 6'8". I was going to say, he's anywhere between 6'8 to 6'10". He's tall, and he is certainly broad. You can tell that he is very much so an elite athlete, despite his age, um, being 17. The only time you start to realize that is when he starts to talk and you're like, oh, he's kind of soft spoken still. He's he's getting used to this this new stage. But he's also, like you said, filling in some of the shoes of what you could probably argue was the best volleyball player in the nation. Mm-hmm. That's a I tough. Mean, he got the awards. That I, I was yeah. going to say, like, you could probably argue that he was. So it's tough. But Tread, from all all accounts, he has been killing it on the court. And also is a killer off off the court in the best possible way. Except he likes in and out, so we'll forgive him for that. Oh, well. <laughs> he said in and out's his favorite burger. I still gotta talk to that kid about that. We gotta get you some Honolulu Burger Company so that you can change your mind on what the best burger is. But yeah, still got a good core of returnees, as we mentioned, Chaz Galloway, Spiros Hakas returns. So you'll still see some as the big word continuity throughout the team, but it'll be I'm looking forward to seeing how this team looks like and then how Tread Rosenthal fits in, as Charlie mentioned, and he told Tread. The offense Yaka brand is different from beginning to end, but we got to go. So we'll see you later for Paul. I'm Kule. Bye.